You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. see you this morning, God's house. Amen. Uh, we're going to go into the word of the Lord today. Verse 4. 4. I want to, you taking your pulse lately? And um, everyone has a different rate of heartbeat. And uh, some's slow, some's a little faster. And um, as a baby, sometimes it's, and uh, the Clarks could share that with you, and God has miraculously touched a little Memphis, and I thank God for that. Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning about what's your pulse, because um, your pulse kind of lets you know whether you're alive or not. And uh, so I, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined it not. Um, many years after, as a result of that, he has a different perspective of, as an elder of the New Testament church, he, he kind of is able to look at how the church began, how it has grown, how it has suffered, how it has persevered. He's able to actually look at the church and see the progress after decades. Um, the other writers of the Gospels, and we've been, we've been talking about Jesus, and that's what we felt like we needed to preach for a while, just about Jesus. And, uh, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, obviously, they have their perspective, and and even the book of Matthew is written a number of years after the church started. But John is, is somewhat later. And then a half of a century of, of how the church, the spirit-filled church, uh, how it's operating. And obviously, um, more than any of the other gospel writers, he talks about the Holy Ghost and and the actions and the walked in the spirit. You see it right from the beginning of his book. He has a different approach. He has a different approach. This is certainly to prove, obviously, that he is the son of God, us not incarnate, but we are filled with the spirit of God, and we should act like it. There's no such thing as a dry Christian or a dead Christian. Or a half-filled Christian. Christian, we're Christ-like. And Christ-like means that we are filled with the presence and the power of God. Uh, I want you to check your pulse this morning. Your life is well uh, intact and everything is happening inside of you because there's, there's a life that should happen to us as a Christian because of what Jesus has done for us. You know, when you hear... Uh, the phrase living the good life, sometimes people think of that as money. Um, but what about 
life just having uh, is excited and exuberant about serving God. There's nothing discouraging about serving God. There's nothing depressing about serving God. There's nothing downhearted. Yes, trials, tribulations, uh, tests, and, and things will happen. Now, that happens to everybody. But when there is something inside of you that Jesus has put there, hallelujah, your pulse is good. Well, half of the church has a pulse. This is good. See, John's gospel, life is equal to light, and light is equal to Jesus. And if I don't uh, have a different personality or you have different emotions, uh, uh, that, that could be true in, in me as a person, but it doesn't change whether I'm alive in Jesus or not. You are alive in him this morning. You have life and life more. But in the first verse of Genesis, we read, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And in the first verse of John, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Using a deliberate parallel to show us not how God spoke the world into existence, but how he spoke salvation into existence. We can go back and say, well, that's incredible how he just spoke the world into existence. But when you read John, it becomes greater than just the world. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. There's a, there's a greater existence that he spoke, and that is salvation. So this time, God's word takes on, as Christ comes into you, it's more than just creating some little side of you life. I'm praying everybody's alive by the end of the service. Mm. See, according to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, Jesus is God's last word to mankind on the subject of salvation. God spoke, it says, at sundry times and in divers manners before, but Jesus is the brightness of his glory. And his, when Jesus touches you, you change. When Jesus enters, you become alive. <laughs> there's, there's four essentials for, for in our human nature. To make sure that we are uh, going to be alive, you have to have water and food. Those are things you need to have to be alive. I, I was I was looking. I seen something on on the internet this uh, this week about in, at some location until January. I think the twenty fourth. No light. It'll be in complete darkness. From now until January the 24th, you have to be a special type of person to be able to handle that. Light is one of the things you need to be alive. Air is a good idea. Water and food. And John gives us descriptions about all of these in John 8. He is the breath of life through the Spirit in John 20. He is the water of life in John 4, and he is the bread of life in John 6. John chapter 10, 10 says, The thief cometh 
but for to steal and to kill and to destroy and that they might have it more abundantly. See, you would think that since we messed things up so bad, way back in the Garden of Eden, human beings would, would well, I mean, if we just stopped, well, you know, that was a real mistake back there. We should have just listened, not ate of that tree. But instead, people are blinded. They're blinded. The Bible says they comprehend it not. And light and darkness can't coexist, so or love the other. You can't love both. You can't hate both. It's either you love light and hate darkness, or you love darkness and you hate light. There's no gray area. The first creation began with, let there be light. See, without Jesus, there is no light. And without light, there is no life. And so that means that if Jesus is in your life, you must be alive. Well, that's just the way it, it has to be. It has to be that way. If he's in your life, you've got to be alive. If you don't feel alive this morning, you need more of Jesus. That's just a simple. If, you're, if you say you've got Jesus, then you must be alive. I can't say that I'm a Christian and not be alive. There's something that happens inside of you as a person. That they, it's not just, a, well, you know, as I please or as I feel necessary or as it's convenient. No, no, no. When Jesus is in your life, it doesn't matter what time of the day. It doesn't matter what day of the week. And it sure doesn't matter uh, what month of the year. Uh, something is uh, because I want you to be Mine's beating pretty good right now. <laughs> Second Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, that's the first creation, has shined in our hearts. That's the new creation. Knowledge, Jesus Christ. What happened is, and of why, what happened in you is so that you shine forth the face of Jesus Christ. You can't go in this world and have Jesus and people not realize that you're alive. So many people have natural life, not experienced the way Jesus wants them. The new, he was in by him. That's the first creation. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, that's a new creation. Second creation. That's life in your life today. To them, God. Even to them that believe on his name. In your life, supers that new creation, that second creation, that new birth experience. Uh, something happens inside of you. You receive a power. Not just to be anybody. No, to be a child of God. A child of God. That's why the gospel starts. Uh, a real life had arrived. They had been shackled by 
traditions. They had missed it, what the purpose of all that was. But, but new life had arrived in Jesus Christ, and he was preparing the way. That, that the person that I'm talking about, he said, I'm not even worthy to stoop down and unloose his shoes. He's going to baptize you with Holy Ghost and with fire. Huh. There's something alive about that. John 1, 17, for the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth is explanation of that. You could say, literally, Moses brought rules. But Jesus brought relationship. And relationship is built on you being alive. If I want my life to be more like Jesus, then I need more of Jesus in my life. And if I've got more of Jesus in my life, then I'm going to be more alive. It's a principle. See, a principle on the... The stronger any relationship is, the fewer rules you actually need. That's especially true with God's family. If you are one of his children, you don't need someone to police you. No. Well, you know, I'm going to make sure someone's following so-and-so to make sure they're living for God. You don't, no, no. If you've got a relationship with God, you're alive. There's not a police like him. I want to have more of him. I want something. Oh, check us. If you're no doubt, you will be alive. Yeah. You live for God and worship him because you love him and you have his life. Within you. See, Jesus shows us how to live that life by walking in the Spirit. Uh, we need to, we need to pay, pay special attention to things in John's gospel that lets us see the light that enters your life. Uh, because what thing comes alive in you. Let, let's look at the example of John 2 and verse 13. This is... Um, this is the Passover. They're getting ready. And it says, And the Jews' Passover was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem, found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the, cha- and the changers of money sitting all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and saith unto them that sold doves at father's house and house of... And his disciples remembered that it was written... Uh, we read that passage and we hear that passage and we kind of get excited about uh, God being able to be angry. <laughs> well, you know, that, if he was angry, then that gives us a license to. No, there was a zeal. Uh, a zeal that the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Um, see, the Passover was the, the biggest, was the day that all those who were able to come they came to the temple in Jerusalem to celebrate what God had done for them and taken them out of bondage, slavery, oppression, bringing them out of Egypt and setting them free. Setting them free. So that they could, so that they could go out into the desert to worship Him. That was the purpose. 430 years. They got... Sick and tired 
We just want to worship God. We just want to have freedom to, to live for Him and to love Him and to give Him uh, our best. And so God heard their cry. And so every one of them, they wanted to worship Him. And this was a celebration of God passing over their sin and giving them life instead of death. Freedom instead of bondage. And hope instead of despair. And so it was necessary for Jesus 19 and within 15 miles of the temple, a radius of 15 miles, then you were required to go to the temple with your sacrifice. It was an obligation. And that was not an option. You had to do it. You had to come with your sacrifice to give to God. So on Passover, before they went into the temple, every Jew would take all that we would, which puffs us up, making us proud and arrogant. So, so the Jew would get rid of all the leaven, purifying their home of the symbol of sin. And they would go to the Passover with an intent of worshiping God, showing that they were alive. When Jesus comes to the temple, on this, this is needed cleansing, but the entire turned upside down. They had turned God's house into a marketplace, a livestock auction, and, and, a, and a currency exchange location. And, and they had put it all into one, and it be, had became business as usual. They had lost what life was about and why this Passover had come into play on living so most people, God just, just doesn't like, like it when, when we mix religion with business or, or that type of concept. And that, that can be true, obviously. But that's not the picture that he's trying to get across. The real problem is, is that these people had no longer had reached a stage that they weren't alive. They weren't alive in their worship. They weren't alive in their servants. They weren't alive in how God was in their life. It was, it was kind of like they had become lazy. Can. I wonder, I wonder if they'll be able to get me going this morning. <laughs> kind of feeling hard to get my eyes open and get my joints moving. I wonder if they'll be able to get everything going in my life this morning. And this is kind of the setting of what happens. Uh, these people were breaking the commandments of God through the... It wasn't that animals were being sold at the temple. That was not the... That was not the only issue. It wasn't that they were not the right type of animals. It was that the individual was supposed to bring their own animal to be sacrificed. And Jesus' problem with the business was they were trying to take a shortcut to what the commandment was. God had commanded them that they were to raise their own animal without blemish. Transport that animal however many miles it was to the temple and to give it to God as a sacrifice. But these worshipers, they, they would show up without anything. 
No work necessary. And they would give a little bit of money or whatever it was to the priest out of convenience. We didn't take the time. We don't have enough animals so we can do the ritual, traditional sacrifice. And God wasn't happy. That wasn't what he was desiring. He wasn't desiring some convenient way. Well, you know what? I'll bring myself, haul myself, get myself out of bed on Sunday if I can, get to church on time if I can, and I'm going to worship if I feel like it, and if it's convenient enough for me this morning. And let me tell you, God, into your spirit, no, no, he put life inside of you that you come to the house of the Lord alive with an expectation of what Jesus is going to do in your life this morning. Well, Pastor, you have no idea what my week was like. And you have no idea what mine was like. We could compare if you like. It's not about what our week was like. No, no, it's about taking and making sure we got a sacrifice that we've raised with a purity of spirit because you're alive today. Uh -huh. Think of it this way. I know what this feels like. Because I raise sheep. Can you imagine having a little lamb? Children helped you groom, feed every day. Then you kills to the temple so that you can watch it be slaughtered. But that's the point. That is the point. It was supposed to cost something. It was supposed to dig into your spirit. The sacrifice was to be the best you had. It was supposed to feel or make you feel the loss of it. It was supposed to wonder our life fall into the trap of not being alive, but yet calling ourselves a Christian, claiming to be full of the Spirit and life not being more abundantly. It has no bearing on what I say. It has a bearing on what I do and how I am this morning to check your pulse. Because there's a real worship. The Bible says, and Jesus made it clear to the woman at the well, the true worshipers shall worship him in spirit and in truth. The worshipers had grown lazy. They wanted the convenience of paying someone else to do what they were supposed to do. It really hasn't changed in 2,000 years. We don't let someone else do our worshiping, our soul winning. Our fasting, our prayers, our praying, our ministry, our giving, our acting alive. Well, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so, -and -so, they, they really got with it this morning. In church, you know, they, they had it going. To you. you know, I want to get it going for me. 
Amen. I don't want to have to have depend on someone else being alive. No, no, no. I want to be alive. I want to check my own pulse. I don't want to make sure someone else's pulse is alive. You need to check your pulse. I want to check my pulse. I want to make sure I'm alive and well in Jesus this morning. I want to come to the house of the Lord and it cost me something today. I want to give him everything I've got. Hallelujah. Not the last. Not what's left over this week. No, no, no. I want to give him the best of what I've got. I've come to worship you, Jesus. Huh. If we're not careful, we can be so busy all week that we've got no energy when we come to the house of the Lord. The greatest tragedy at play the vows this one true God. But any Gentiles who were sincerely seeking God would certainly have been turned off by knowing that they should have been bringing their own lives Life, worship, sacrifice, and not trying to purchase what someone else had done. And it's just too much for Jesus. It's too much for him. It's too much for him to take. He just can't handle that they have made the house of God what they have made it. And suddenly, they remember the words of the psalmist. And you see John write it in chapter 2, verse 17. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. This was not just some words, no, the zeal of them. So you take a close look at John's snapshot, his viewpoint of a spirit-filled person and what it looks like and what it feels like and what it acts like. And it comes out that it just can't be mediocre. It can't be that we're just hanging on. Oh, my goodness. 20, note of every person where zeal, which means enthusiastic devotion to a cause, an ideal or goal or tireless diligence to its furtherance, something, something zealous rises inside of our spirit that we are alive in Jesus, alive to the point where, oh man, I'm coming to church today, and nobody, nobody is going to stop me from worshiping, and nobody's going to out-worship out, and nobody is going to be out of our spirit today, where we say, you know what, I'm not going to depend on who's there and who's not there and, and what everyone else does. I've got Jesus inside of me, and if I've got Jesus, then I'm alive. What's your pulse like? The Hebrew word means to provoke to jealousy. The Greek word means to be hot, to boil. This is for zeal. 
is getting stirred up. Yeah. Yeah, something just starts a little burning, a little fire here. All of a sudden, the fire spreads. And someone next to you caught on fire. All of a sudden, the fire is consuming the whole sanctuary and people online, people watching at home, they're on fire. Something has started inside of people's lives. And what was complacent or status quo has changed. Oh, and all of a sudden you feel a little twinge in the Holy Ghost. People used to get twinges. And some would get a little kick in action. Or Remember Harvey McNair? He didn't have a, a disease of some sort. No, no, there was life. There was life inside. And we get so starchy and we get so crusty in our walk. All of a sudden, something needs to come alive. And check your pulse this morning. And the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We get nervous of what people are going to say and what people are going to think. Let me tell you. Oh, I'm more interested. Oh, provoke. A jealousy inside of you. Be red hot. A boiling. Stir up a passion for God inside of you. On chapter 2 and 17, the New Living Translation says, Concern for God's house will be my undoing. Literally, I'm going to get in trouble here because I get upset. When someone misuses God's house. Yes, God didn't want to change it. That wasn't, but that wasn't what he was upset about the most. He was upset because people who were supposed to be alive have their own sacrifice of worship. And their own sacrifice that they had grown. And they had made sure that they were going to bring to the house of the Lord that was going to cost them something. That they entered into God's house and they weren't trying to just feel off of something. They were lives here this morning. But you don't determine whether I'm alive or not. Jesus is inside of me. And I'm alive because of him. You say, Pastor, you didn't stir me this morning. Pastor, you didn't preach what I needed this morning. Pastor, none of those things uh, I can determine uh, whether you're alive or not. Uh, it's whether Jesus uh, is inside. Uh, and if Jesus is inside, you've got to be alive. And not experience what the sacred place was for. And neither can you and I come into the house of God this morning, spirit-filled children of God, and not experience what the house of God is for. I come with my pulse beating rapidly this morning. Not because of you, what my pulse is beating rapidly this morning, because Jesus is inside of my life. 
And Jesus is in my heart this morning. How do you feel this morning about being in God's house? Is it a routine? How, how does it make you feel today? Well, you know what? It's Sunday morning. And we go to the house of God on Sunday morning. It's more than that. It's way more than that, folks. Well, you know, I've got a responsibility at Mission Point this morning. I've got to be there. It's a way more than that. Hallelujah. You know what? It's, it's inside. And he's brought life to you. And because he's brought life to you, you've got to be alive. Huh. Yeah. This is how David felt about God's house. Psalm 63, O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power. And thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. This will I bless thee. While I live. This is what David said. As long I will lift up my hand. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house. And the place where thine honor dwelleth. Psalm 77. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? Psalm 96. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and lift up your Lord. Psalm 150, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. This is all David. Psalm 122, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. David's the same guy. Then, well, there's, there's a way to do that. He said, I won't take what costs me nothing. No, no, God's never designed it that way. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 73, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious. What do you mean? People who don't know God are being more alive than me. Oh, no, no, that can't be. That's too painful for me, David said. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, that was too painful for me. How can it be? Because the very next verse says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God then understood I their end when I got into God's presence I really found out who was alive 
It's not what looks like on the outside. It's not what appears to be a certain way in people's lives. No, no, no. It's what's in here. And David said, when I got into his presence, I found out that there was a big difference of who looked alive. And have I desired the Lord? That will I seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Psalm 23 shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We read that verse. We've quoted that verse. We quote the chapter. It's a famous chapter. Look what it says. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The days that I'm alive. Lots of people that have natural life something was different about David there was a zeal about him a chasing after God he was checking his pulse on a continual basis oh there was a time or two when his pulse was out of whack on track what is it about this this this, uh, power what is it about that well, it impresses God because you're alive. It influences others because you're alive. And it will change you because you're alive. I don't know about you, but I don't want to say that I attend and be full, not be alive. Oh. On a Sunday morning, why don't you just take your hand and put it up to your pulse this morning? <laughs> I wonder what's my spiritual pulse today. I wonder. I wonder if I'm really alive this morning in God. When's the last time? When's the last time that you were, there was so much life inside of you, you couldn't care less about anyone else in that moment? That's not, that's not saying you're not compassionate. Even the secular world teaches us that's the way it's supposed to be. You get on the plane. Don't tell me how many don't listen to all these announcements. But close to the end, they show you how the oxygen mass dropped from the top. The last thing you want to ever have to do is use one of those. And they show you how to put it on. But there's one very important piece of information that they give 
in that little demonstration. Now that would appear that you didn't care about other people. If you're alive. They want to know you got life. They want to know you're breathing. They want to know that you got energy and oxygen. It's not a lack of concern for the person beside you. No, they want to make sure you're alive first. You come into the house of God. You can have great expectations of what's going to happen through your life. But God wants to check your pulse today. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.